Hello, I'm Mary, and you're listening to First Pages Readings. In this podcast, I explore reading and celebrate books as cultural messengers. Each episode, I'll read from three books of either fiction, nonfiction, young adult, middle grade, or poetry. Hello and welcome to First Pages Readings, episode 49. And thanks for joining me. Today I'll be reading from three young adult novels. So let's get started. Today's first book is Darius the Great is Not Okay by Adib Karam. I loved this book. It's filled with humor and wisdom while it explores the challenging topics of loneliness and depression. In this first book of the series, we get to know Darius, his somewhat isolated teenage life, his love of tea and of Star Trek, and we follow him as he travels to Iran for the first time, where he experiences the culture and customs of his mother's Persian heritage. Through a friendship that develops there, he begins to understand himself and the world around him more clearly. The book has a rich heart and deep roots. The first page of Darius the Great is not okay. The chiefest and greatest of calamities. Steam belched and hissed. Sweat trickled down the back of my neck. Smog the Terrible was furious with me. What does it mean? Filter error, I asked. Here, Mr. Apatan wiggled the hose where it fed into Smog's gleaming chrome back. The blinking red error light went dark. Better? I think so. Smog gurgled happily and began boiling once again. Good. Were you pushing buttons? No, I said, just to check the temperature. You don't have to check it, Darius. It always stays at 212. Right. There was no use arguing with Charles Apatan, manager of the tea haven at the shops at Fairview Court. He was convinced, despite all the articles I printed out for him, he refused to read web pages that each and every tea should be steeped at a full boil, whether it was a robust Yunnan or a fragile Gyokuro. Not that Tea Haven ever got such fine teas. Everything we sold was enriched with antioxidants or enhanced with natural superfruit extracts or formulated for health and beauty. Smog, the irrepressibly finicky, was our industrial-strength water boiler. I named it Smog my first week on the job, when I got scalded three times in a single shift. But so far, the name hadn't stuck with anyone else at Tea Haven. Today's next book is The Epic Story of Every Living Thing by Deb Coletti. This captivating story raises questions about personal identity and family. As the main character, Harper, travels to meet a father she doesn't know because her mother became pregnant using a donor. With an engaging narrative, this fascinating story explores its character's personal evolution, ethical questions, generational attitudes, and more. It's important to note that the book tells a parallel story of Mary Ann Patton, a young 19th century woman, who while aboard a ship with her husband, traveling from New York to Cape Horn, took command after a series of misfortunes. 
including her husband falling into a coma. She successfully delivers the ship to San Francisco, and after rounding Cape Horn, which is notoriously problematic due to extreme weather conditions, she writes in her journal, I have come to understand that our resilience is not composed of stunning acts of courage, but the way we mark the passage of each day, still here, still here. Marianne Patton later died at the age of 23. The first page of the epic story of every living thing. The first page begins with a marriage notice from the Boston Post, April 1st, 1853, that states, In this city, April 1, Captain Joshua A. Patton, 26, Master Mariner of Rockland, Maine, to Mary Ann Brown, 15, daughter of Mr. George Brown, Seamaster and Mrs. Elizabeth Brown, both of East Boston. Harper scooches her foot this way and then scooches her foot back. It's always so hard to know what to do with your hands. Why are you so suddenly aware of your hands when you're trying to take a good photo, when they usually just do their own thing? Right behind Harper, the sheer rock face of Rattlesnake Ridge sits like a headstone against the murky green of Rattlesnake Lake. When she posts those names, it's all going to sound hazardous and thrilling, even if Harper has never seen any kind of snake there, just cagey squirrels darting around and regular old crows staring menacingly. That murky green, it can be fixed in a second with a saturation edit. Ezra crouches down and then stands back up, snapping away. He's great at getting a variety of angles. Right now, all of this is incredibly important to Harper. Crucial, even. Later, much later, when Harper looks at those images, she'll see a girl who lives at the surface, who doesn't have a clue about what's beneath it, including a bomb, an actual bomb, lying dormant, but not for long. Today's third book is Paula Santiago and the River of Tears by Taylor K. Mejia. This first book of the Paula Santiago series introduces an exciting fantasy world and an epic adventure. The story affirms that science and folklore can work in partnership as Paula embarks on a dangerous quest to find her missing friend, and during the journey becomes her own hero. Joseph Campbell would be proud. The book comes alive with menacing monsters and spirits, but the story includes the challenges of a girl living between two cultures as her coming-of-age story evolves. The first page of Paula Santiago and the River of Tears. Algae again. It was 118 degrees in Silver Springs, Arizona, and the Gila River was thick with algae. But Paula was careful to keep that observation to herself. The last time she'd mentioned algae in front of her best friend Dante, he'd shoved a gummy worm up her nose. Algae was green and slimy. It stuck to your feet when you stepped into the wrong part of the swimming hole. It smelled awful. It made the river look weird and alien when the water got too low. But when processed and extracted and purified, an acre of it 
could create 10,000 gallons of usable biofuel. And wasn't that awesome enough to make up for its general ickiness? Aware of Dante and her other best friend, Emma, sitting on the picnic blanket on either side of her, Pau didn't speak aloud the wonders of algae. Sometimes she thought there were still granules of sour sugar from that gummy worm slowly making their way to her brain through her nasal cavity. There was a lot of candy spread out before them today, and Pau didn't want to find out what other varieties would feel like in her nostrils. Shuddering, she kept her daydreams private for now. In Silver Springs, the place where Pau was unfortunate enough to have lived since she was four years old, there wasn't much to do but daydream. In fact, she had become somewhat of a pro. Thank you for spending time with me today. If you liked listening to this episode, please subscribe.